Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. This is part two of the A10 uh, tournament, I guess. Uh, yeah. This is the championship game. So I saw Friday night that George Mason had made the final. And that was at that point when I was like, I started putting my notes together for last week's episode. And I said, do you want to go down? Because it's yes. only an hour away. And you said yes. And one game only if St. Louis wins. And uh, two games if George Mason wins the first well, game. So I, I can't not pass baseball. I have to say it. <laughs> it well, it was. I'm saying it wasn't tickets were expensive either. It was five dollars for uh, youth, which Mason qualified for as well, and fifteen dollars for adults. And it was general admission, so I knew that that meant we were on the lower level as well. So I knew we were going to be close. And I don't mind going down to Richmond anyway. Yeah. Uh, because um, I like to go to Bryan Park, which is one of our disc golf places. We only go once a year. Um, it's a lot more challenging than some of the places that we play on. There's some tire fairways. Uh, there's a couple of water holes as well, which we used to really struggle on when we were first playing. But And um, Mason had an amazing round going on. He was 8 under on the, after 17. And um, he had a putt for 9 under. It was a death putt, though, because it's over the water, but it's all on a hill. And he went past the basket, so he knew if he missed, it was going to go all the way to the bottom of the hill. If he made that, that would have been... Um, a good round. Yeah, he had to go for nine There's under. There's too much pressure. So it, but it was also one you couldn't lay up because it was so close. It was probably 20 feet, 22 feet. Um, it, it, a distance he'd been making all day. So he was right to go for it, and unfortunately he missed it. So it finished at seven under. But still a really good round on, the, on that particular course. My best round is only one over. So um, I tied my best round. And um, yeah, he still beat me by eight shots. He's so good that he can get under. Yeah, and I actually said on one point, I was like, you had a lot of birdies and forgot. He he said he was over par after the second hole. So he actually had, I think, um, multiple birdies. He actually had a put for birdie on 17 as well that he left just short. It was about it was just a little further. It was probably about 25, 30 feet. So not guaranteed, but ones he'd been making earlier. So, yeah, we did that. Now, actually, I was up at 5 o'clock that day. Um, Mason was up at 5.30. You were up at 6. We were originally going to leave at 7.30, which would have been plenty of time to... Um, get to the golf course and then head to the um, head to the baseball game. But I wasn't aware it was Memorial Day weekend, and I know what traffic's like on ninety five South. Mm-hmm. So with us all being up, I was like, let's Everybody go early. Everybody needs to get down to a warmer place. Yeah, so we left earlier. So I did look up some other things as well. Um, you did get over that water for the first time as well, easily, easily. They were kind of cleaning up on the side of the uh, on the lake, and the guy was like, go ahead, and he was watching it, and yeah, it was it was way over. So we went to Put Put and played a round of golf there. I have no idea how the course record is nineteen out of eighteen. There was holes. also two that got eighteen on. Oh, um, there was another. Yeah, there was three yeah. courses, but yeah, on course two, eighteen out. Yeah, there's there's no way. There's no way. I don't know how they got nineteen. I, I don't either. I saw like a seventy-four. <laughs> some of those holes, some of those holes, you could see like if you hit it straight, you got a chance to get a one. But some of those holes, like you just can't guarantee a one, and I know. it's gonna roll off, and something's gonna happen. Now, unfortunately, we only had about an hour. I, I I was like, it was like an hour and a half, and I knew it was fifteen minutes to get there, fifteen minutes to get back from when we wanted to get there. So 
So we turned up and we asked for a round and the guy's like, do you want to do something? And I was like, no, no. I was like, we only got time for one round. And then I saw the sign and I knew what he was talking about. Uh, Super Saturdays, for only $7 more, we would have had unlimited putt-putt golf, uh, go-karts, bumper boats, hot dog or a slice of pizza, uh, soft drink, and $5 game card for the game room. That's an amazing deal. And I go on Saturday. And none of the other days even come close to that. So there's one on Sunday as well, which is $17, but that's only two hours. And uh, does oh, it does include food as well, but it doesn't include the uh, $5 gift card. And it's only two hours, not four hours, so that's not as good. Uh, Thursdays is $19. And um, that's just an add-on, actually. That one's not even close to being as good. Um, Tuesdays, $17, three hours you can play, but no mention of food. So Saturday, but I would have thought Saturday would have been... Yeah, I, I agree. And it doesn't look like it's just... Because I said, surely that's going to close for the summer. I looked on their website. There's no mention it's stopping. So, yeah, over the summer, that's a great deal in Richmond. Um, so, anyway, we, we had our round of golf. Mason won that one as well. <laughs> he was about five up after six holes. I Yeah, I couldn't catch him. He had a lot of holes in one. I couldn't catch him up on that one. And, um, yeah, we parked at the Diamond. Um, no parking fees either. Normally when we used to go to Squirrels games, it's like $5 to park, which is fine for a baseball game. But, it's, pretty a, standard. but it's college. Though. It, it was, but I still thought somebody would be there collecting. If you know there's a tournament on, and there's going to be, I think it said for the final, there was like 750 people. And you know there's going to be two or 300 people who need a park. $5 a person, that's quite a bit of money. But yeah, nobody was nobody was there. Uh, we walked through a little pop-up market, and you got to do some axe throwing. You want to talk about the axe throwing? No. <laughs> okay, well, I'll talk about it then. It was kind of, it wasn't real axes. It, was it wasn't win. a real board. Yeah, it kind of stuck to the board, and they weren't real Axes, yeah, but, they were but kind of plastic. the wind was kind of blowing. Uh, you missed the board a few times. No, that it's because the wind pushed you. Aim then. Aim for the left. Did. That's like when you play disc golf, it wind's blowing, you aim to the side. Alright, so anyway, we, we did that. We paid for our tickets. We already mentioned about that. And I saw there was a merch table, so I was like, oh, cool. I was merch. like, I was like, I'd like to get you a shirt to kind of commemorate this event. $32 for a t-shirt, and as far as I could tell, it was just one size. It's a lot. It was. Um, I think I saw, I think long sleeve t-shirts were like 40 and I gave up at that point. And I asked Mason later about, I said, did they have hoodies? And he's like, yeah, they were 60 which is not as bad as a 32 for a t-shirt, but I was like, yeah, it was too much, so we didn't get that. Uh, you were starving, of course, because you'd been outside playing, which you always are. So we got you a pretzel, Mason got some nachos, I got some wirrily fries. I asked for um, salted. <laughs> Those people, way too much salt. That's how much people like, though. I know you don't like that much, but that's, um, that's I would, pretty much I would like do. half of that amount of salt that they put on. Uh-huh. Then that would be a fine pretzel. And we probably got about half an hour early, and we went straight to behind home plate. Yeah. So we had the option that to do like that. That was, one of the best um, seats we we will probably ever get. Yeah, we could watch him put out the, the lines. We could see It was also one field level, too. Yeah, 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 it was perfect for, for watching the players warm up and, and for everything. Now, last episode, we talked about George Mason, so I guess today uh, we need to talk about St. Louis. Um, they were called the Billikens, and I asked, I was like, what's a Billiken? Exactly, so, I, all right. I would ask what a Billiken was, too. Like, I saw the logo, and I was, it kind, to me, it kind of looked like Shrek a little bit. I don't know if that's a it good description. It kind of looked like a wolf. Um, a like, wolf? Uh, like, uh, one of, like, the Timberwolves. Like, it's a blue kind of wolf. That's mixed with Shrek, kind of. Alright, well, you read the description and we'll let people decide if that sounds um, anything close. The Billiken is a charm doll created by an American art teacher and illustrator. Florence Pretz of Kansas City, Missouri 
Who is? Wait, why is it called Kansas City if it's not in Kansas? Part of it's in Kansas City. Part of it's in Missouri. It kind of straddles the border. Who is? But it's a good question. Who is said to have been? Who I've seen the mysterious figure in a dream? It is believed that Pretz found the name Billiken in Bliss Carmen's. 1896 poem, Mr. Moon, A Song of the Little People. Um, in 1908, she obtained a design patent on the ornamental design of the Billiken, which she sold to the Billiken Company of Chicago. The Billiken was a monkey-like with pointed ears and a mischievous smile and tuft of hair and pointed and on his pointed head actually i can believe that okay. um kind of does look like that though mm-hmm. his arms were short and he what and he was generally sitting with his legs stretched out in front of him billiken is known as the god of things as they ought to be all right well i can kind of see the pointed ears thing kind of being a wolf-like thing there. I, I, I can kind of see where you're saying that from um to buy a billiken was said to give the purchaser look but to receive one as a gift it. would be better luck. So no, you don't want to buy one, you want to receive one as luck. Okay. Uh, the image was copyrighted and the trademark was put on the name, but after a few years of popularity, the Billiken faded into obscurity. Uh, you got to remember, this was around 1890s, so that's why, yeah, nobody really... Right now, people would not know uh, who that is at all. Um, for the alumni, there's some interesting ones here, JJ. Um, some old players, like they said they were baseball straight away. One was Joe Murphy. Um, born 1866, died 1951. He was a pitcher for Major League Baseball in the 19th century. He played collegiate ball at St. Louis University. Obviously, that's why I'm talking about it. And played professionally for the Cincinnati Red Stockings. So that was like the original professional team. It was the so, original Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, the St. Louis Maroons and the St. Louis Browns. Uh, he had a 4-7 and seven record with 30 strikeouts and an ERA of 5.97. His first appearance was in 1886 in April. And his last appearance was August 19, 1887. So he played basically two years. And that was about as far as he got. And then I think you're going to tell us about the next person. Yeah. James Critipum Norwood. Now that would be a good one for the name game. J. Critipum uh, N. That, that would have been tough. Nobody's going to get that. <laughs> That's tough. Um... Born December 24th, 1993, is an American professional baseball pitcher in the New York Yankees organization. Boo! <clears throat> he has played the Major League Baseball for the Cubs, San Diego Padres, and Philadelphia Phillies, listed at 6 foot 2 and 215 and 215 pounds, he throws and bats right-handed. <clears throat> Norwood grew up in east, in Upper East Side of Manhattan, a borough. A borough of New York City. That part I could have. That's probably kind of obvious. What? Well, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't recognize the word borough? Yeah. Okay. He attended All Hollows High School in South Bronx. All Hollows High School. It's kind of like, like a weird name. Sounds like something from Harry Potter. Kind of does. Like Halloween. In ni- in 2011. Did you say 90? No. Sounds like it. The New York Post chose Norwood as their 
All Bronx Baseball Player of the Year. He enrolled at St. Louis University and played college baseball for the St. Louis Bellicans in 2014. He pitched... Hold, hold on, there was a period in there. He played college baseball for the St. Louis Bellicans. In 2014. You know that little dot? That means you have to take a little pause, okay? I'll take some breath in. Right, it keep doesn't going. exist. Keep going. He pitched to an 8-2 and two win-loss record in a 2.68 ERA. That's good. 2.68. That's really good. An 8-2, and two, obviously. We know wins and losses can be a little um, exaggerated at times. but Well, it's because um, the batting sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, in his professional career, the Chicago Cubs selected him in the 7th round of the 2014 draft. And on June 18th, 2022, Norwood was traded to the Boston Red Sox for cash considerations. Uh, I just want to repeat the date to you, okay? June 18th, 2022. Boston added him to their active roster for the June 19th game, but he did not make an appearance. And on June 20th, he was designated for assignment. So they sent him down to AAA Worcester. Um, he elected to receive free agency in November 22, and then December 13th, he, Good, signed, he's not a Red Sox player. he signed a minor league contract with the Yankees. So if Good. he grew up in the Bronx, I'm sure he's going to be happy uh, signing for the Yankees. Yeah. Obviously now he's probably and in the minor league system. And plus he's going to be system. playing with um, Aaron Judge. Not right now he's not, uh, but he hopes he can if he can make his way through Robin. the minors. But If um, he can hit bombs, if he does... He was a pitcher. He was 8-2. I forgot. <laughs> If he can have a 2.68 ERA, he'll be joining them, that's for sure. If he wants to. Uh Well, if he can not give up bombs Uh to center field. All right, we got another former Millican player for you. H. Andrews S. Is (laughs) your name game. (laughs) Harry Andrew Sullivan, okay. Harry Andrew Sullivan, born born April 22nd, 1888. Um... Was a pitcher in the Major League Baseball who th- who played for the St. Louis Cardinals during the 1909 season. He batted and threw left-handed. Born in Rockford, Illinois, Sullivan attended St. Louis University. He joined the Cardinals late in the season, appearing for them in two games, including one start. He allowed six runs in four hits in two walks for 36 ERA. He did not strike out a single batter batter in one inning of work and did not have a decision. Sullivan died in Rockford, Illinois at the age of 31. So he didn't live very long at all, but yeah, I thought you'd like the ERA of 36. So, uh, so hey, if you can make it to the card, if you can make it to the majors, you got to remember there wasn't many teams in those days either. So um, it's not like today where there's like 30 teams. Like at that time, I think there was only like 12 teams. So if you made it to it, and they didn't use, but you know also that they didn't use as many pitches in those days either. So if you made it to a team like that, then you were one of probably the top 50 pitchers in the country at that time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, ERA of 36. I know you kind of like those high ERAs, cause you, but I was like, ah, oh, well. Um, now, the one I want to talk to you about is not baseball, but I was fascinated by this. I read a lot about this person. And uh, I'm going to start. So, well, if we don't now, I'm going to read his name. It's uh, Bradbury Robinson Jr., born in 1884, died in 1949. He played college football at the University of Wisconsin football. in 1903 and St. Louis University from 1904 to 1907. In 1904, through personal connections to Wisconsin Governor Robert M. LaFollette Sr. and his wife, 
Robinson learned of calls for reforms of the game of football from President Teddy Roosevelt and began to develop tactics for passing. After moving to St. Louis University, Robinson threw the first legal forward pass in the history of American football on September 5th, 1906. And it does say American football on the article. I'm reading exactly what it said. He became the sport's first triple threat man, excelling at running, passing, and kicking. He was also a member of St. Louis's Olympic World Champions football team in 1904. Now, there was a bit of a debate about that because it was only um, an exhibition at that time, so it wasn't a true event, but they came first in that. And um, St. Louis under head coach Martin J. Delaney went 11 and 0 in 1904, outscoring its opponents 336 to zero. Jeez. They had 11 clean sheets. They didn't give up a single point. That's an pretty impressive feat right there. 338. That, that's crazy. That's very one-sided. Um, he left Wisconsin because there was some. Wait, sort of how arc. long was the game? Regular length games, eleven game, eleven games, not one game yeah. in the whole season. He left Wisconsin because it was some bully or something, and uh, he stepped in and basically he got socked by, got hit by him, and he apparently fought back as well. But basically, I don't think he got backed, and he's like, "Well, I'm not staying here then." So that's why he ended up in St. Louis, uh, some twenty miles from the Lake Bula training camp on September fifth, nineteen o six. Robinson threw the first pass in a game against Carroll College at Waukesha, Wisconsin. Jack Snyder was the receipt. Well, sorry, was the receiver for the blue and white. St. Louis would not adopt Billikens as name for its sports team until sometime after 1910. According to archives at St. Louis, uh, Cokums didn't start calling pass plays in the Carroll game until after he'd grown frustrated with the failure of his offense to play to move the ball on the ground. So it's not like suddenly this team were like, "All right, we're going to go passing today." They didn't want to do it. That they weren't doing anything running. So hey, you might as well try something, right? They come up with all these plans. The first Robinson to Schneider attempt pass failed to connect. More than 100 years later, Stephen Jones of the Press Enterprise called it an incompletion that changed the game of football forever. Under the rules at that time, an incomplete pass resulted in a turnover, turnover to Carroll. That's really harsh. An incomplete pass means you lose possession of the ball. Hey, obviously that rule's changed. Undeterred on a subsequent possession, uh, Kokums called for his team to again execute the play he dubbed the air attack. Robinson took the fat rugby-style ball and threw a 20-yard touchdown pass to Schneider. I think that's what Mason said. He said it sounds like kind of like, so basically they were playing rugby before they were playing football, as you know it. Uh, but yeah, the ball was obviously a little different. Um, interviewed in a Jacksonville, Florida hotel room in 1956, Schneider remembered that first pass reception 50 years earlier. We were in the second half and the game was tied when Robinson called the pass. Actually, Robinson was an end and I was a fullback. But Brad could throw the ball a long way, so he switched positions for that one play. We were told to run after the snap and keep going until we heard the passer yell hike or our name. So I ran and ran, and I was about to give up when I heard Robinson call. I turned and caught the ball a yard or so short of the goal and went over with it. The play stunned the fans and the Carroll players. St. Louis went on to win 22-0. That's kind of cool. Like, the first player ever to throw a ball... Uh, forwards that changed the game of football obviously it was complete and the complete pass well the first one wasn't but yeah and obviously that all the teams do that now uh, but the fact that the first player came from st louis and that's how it happened to look at it was in the final for this game um in an early 1906 newspaper interview kokum's enthusiasm was evident i think the forward pass is sensational my men never think of throwing the ball underhand they throw it overhand as hard as they can it's really a puzzle to me why the other teams are not giving new style plays by their coaches the Eastern 11s are using nothing but the old-style formations. It'll be a matter of a season or two, and the coaches throughout the country will come away to my way of thinking, or I'll be badly mistaken. Uh, he was. 
it was seven years later before Newt Rockney began to do the same thing at Notre Dame. So oh. even though they were eleven and zero, I know you recognise that name. I knew you. Because of the restaurant. <laughs> well, yes, and the, but he, the restaurant is named because of that person. So that was his football career, and I said, even if it was just that, that's kind of interesting, right? There's I thought more. We had a book about Newt. We do, yeah, yeah. We started reading. You went. Three-sport athlete, too. You weren't that interested in it, so I don't think we ever finished it in the end. All right, tell me a bit more about Robinson, though. Robinson graduated from St. Louis University in 1908 with a medical degree in practice as a surgeon at the Mayo Mayo, Mayo Clinic yes. in Rochester, Minnesota. So is it a I think the, clinic No, I think the Mayo, Mayo Clinic is world-famous. I think the Mayo Clinic is where Lou Gehrig um, got diagnosed with uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, in World War One, he was commissioned a captain of infantry in the U.S. Army, arriving in France in 1918, where he became an instructor in the use of newly developed tank. So he was one of the first person people that knew how to drive a tank as well. Like that's pretty cool too. <laughs> hey, Dad, just drive it through town, blast people's homes down. Mm-hmm. Um. Later serving as a frontline infantry officer in the last 10 days of the war. He returned to France after the war to study advanced medical techniques at the University of Bordeaux, Bordeaux. Yeah. in the early 1920s. He oversaw the medical screening of immigrants while serving on the European staff of U.S. coming Surgeon General of the United States. Uh-huh. Um, he returned to United States in 1928 and practiced <laughs> medicine in St. Louis, Michigan, where he was twice elected the city's mayor. Hold on, so he was from St. Louis, Missouri, and then he went to St. Louis, Michigan. I didn't even know there was a St. Louis in Michigan. So he was a sports star, Olympian. Uh, officer, tank instructor, uh, worked for the Surgeon General, and then he became a mayor twice. My gosh, m- most people are like, if he did Make one of those... I, that's what they said. I said, I think that person deserves a new uh, a movie making after them. Uh, but that was by far the most... There was a lot of this. If his, somebody um... doesn't make a movie about him, I will. Alright. you watch. I don't know when it's going to come out, but keep an eye out. JGB will post it on Twitter when it's finally released. Um, I read through a lot of that article. There was a lot more interesting stuff, but I was like, hey, we have a, a real episode to talk about. So um, we probably should get on with that. Now, Going into this game, as we were driving down, I talked about... I said, I think George Mason can win this. And the reason that I gave was, I looked at the stats and the batting averages for the team. Um, Richmond was the top. St. Joseph's was was second. St. Louis was third with 299. And George Mason was uh, sixth with 276. So that's pretty close to their rankings. But... When you looked at the pitching staff, George Mason was number one, and actually St. Louis was number two, but their ERA was a whole run under. And when I talked about some of those games we talked about last time, um, like their star pitcher, Chet, I think it is, didn't he go like, he went like eight innings and only gave like a couple of runs, what? and then Ben Shields came in, and it was like seven innings, one run. So we knew that they have some quality starters, and I said, to, I said, oh, if Chet pitches, then that could be, I knew he pitched one inning of relief on Friday. But he hadn't pitched since Tuesday besides that. And so I thought he was going to be the starter. Uh, he was not. But anyway. So when we got there, we didn't quite know what to expect. But how did it go then? How did game one go? Oh, we should also say at this point, 
We were obviously rooting for George Mason, yeah. but Mason, for some reason, decided to root for St. Louis. And I also, think... we were sitting um, front row right behind the plate. We were. That was fine. It was kind of a neutral position. Right behind my one. favorite um, player. <laughs> but we were more on the George Mason side because we were kind of like just, right behind the plate. Just. We were just to the Which right of the plate. was good. We, we liked uh-huh. that. Um, all right. In the second inning, St. Louis scored one. In the fourth, George Mason scored four. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Four to one, George Mason, 11 hits. Oh, yeah, those, St. Louis, um, five hits, and one error. That was a perfect game going into the fourth. Um, he gave up a hit, um, and then he gave up a run. Then they got pulled pretty much. And then, yeah, he didn't actually pitch bad at all. Uh, Smith went 3.1 innings, uh, one only one hit, but two earned runs. So, um, yeah, it's not like he pitched bad at all. Only one hit, but unfortunately it resulted in two runs. So there was a base in balls on there, so it was a perfect game. I think the person got on it base on balls. Oh, yeah, that was South, and then then the person after him. uh Uh-huh. I think that was the same inning when the... Oh, I was going to say that's the same inning where the error came, but I don't think it is, because all these say earned runs, so that must have been a different inning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Super quick game on this. Uh, Two hours and 20 minutes. Like, it did not, it just went quick because there were so many times where they just went one, two, three, boom, we're done. I know. So, um, but I was excited by that. It saved the bullpen as well, which was really important. So, the starter for George Mason, I can never remember his name, I'm glad I wrote that. Uh, Kyle Menneker, seven innings, uh, five hits, and only one earned run. Uh, just one base on balls. And then 70, ben Shields. 72 pitches for seven innings. Jeez. Like, obviously, he could have probably carried on a little bit 10 longer. 10 per inning. But yeah, they brought Ben Shields in, two innings. Uh, no hits um, and just 29 pitches. So yeah, the bullpen they managed to save ready for that next game. And um, yeah, St. Louis only had 109 pitches. Now I've seen some of these games in the tournament. Both teams pitched like 170 pitches. So there's no re- no wonder this went so quickly. Now that fourth inning that you talked about that was so important. I actually did write that. I did actually list everything that happened. Uh, South Trimble uh, walked. Yeah. Uh, South Trimble stole second. Derek Wood singled to the pitcher on a bunt. Uh, and South Trimble advanced to third. I remember oh, yeah, that. I remember Both that of them. I'm, now, I'm, now I wrote that down. I do remember that. That was a good point. Uh, yeah. It was like right yeah. on the line in between the third baseman and the catcher. Uh-huh. It was perfectly placed. So they all had a... Um, yeah. Like it took them forever there to get there. There was nothing they could do about it. Yeah. Um, Derek Woodstall second. Uh, Connor Dykstra got hit by a pitch. Uh, Reese Woody singled to left field, uh, which was an RBI. And Connor Dykstra advanced to second. Derek Wood scored. Uh, Brett Starley was hit by a pitch. Reese Woody advanced to second. Connor Dykstra advanced to third. Uh, Alex Knapp singled to left field. Brett Starley advanced to second. Reese Woody scored. And Connor Dykstra scored. And then pitching change again. Uh, Brett Starley advanced to third on a throwing error after a failed pickoff attempt. And then Ever Blanchard struck out swinging um, to end the inning. But, yeah. I remember there was two pitching changes. Yeah. And also I remember there was two outs and they... Did a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, it says right here, um, downward, uh, sorry, downward, uh, no innings, two hits, two runs, two earned runs, and two hit by pitches. So, yeah, in that, how to say, he didn't register a single out, but he gave up two hits and put two people he on He only by did two at-bats. Um, in 12 pitches, that's kind of a, that's a lot of stuff to happen in just 12 pitches. Uh, but, yeah, four runs, three hits, one error, and just one person was left on base. 
And um, yeah, the one player who caught our eye from St. Louis, Mason really liked their ninth batter. So um, I oh, looked yeah. up him. Um, I thought I wrote his down. What was his name? Off. It's something Newick. Yeah, I think you're right. Is it Evan? Or am I thinking of a different player? No, it's A. Perhaps I'm mixing it up. Oh, actually, hold on. I got the... Uh... I got the list on it's here. It's Ethan Sitzman. Oh, it's A. Newig, but it doesn't say. Yeah. Well, the because they just give the initials. Um, um I remember Ethan Sitzman mm-hmm. in Clohissey. Okay. Um. Yeah, but this guy had um he had ten. Pitches. Oh yeah, Cam Redding. He had so. ten pitches in one at bat because Mason was like, "This is good." Like he's he keeps fouling it off, fouling it off. So you knew he was seeing it well. Um. Anyway, he's only a freshman. Uh, freshman, he studied marketing. He's from Blue Springs, Montana, and his high school was, was Blue Springs. Uh, ranked as a PBR top 25 player in Missouri's 2022 class. Named to the All District First Team in 2020, All Conference Honorable Mention in 2020, 2020 All Area First Team, and he was named Freshman Student of the Year. Um, but yeah, he's only a freshman, so I'm gonna say he definitely caught our eye. And I think it's said that his on-base percentage was. 368 for the season. That's pretty decent. Uh, he was batting 266 uh, with 42 hits, three home runs. So he had some power as well. If you got something like that as a ninth batter for your team, not difficult to see why uh, St. Louis did pretty well. Now, we did ask as we were leaving, because if you showed your tickets, you could get back in again. Um, how long was it between games? They said about 45 minutes, so we got back after 30, and it was. It was about 45 minutes. We switched seats, though, for the second game, so why on earth did we switch um, seats? There was tons of foul balls going into, like, the bar area. Yeah, there was, and on that so side. we sat near, but, like, um, they kept going over our heads. They kept going over our heads. Into the bar. Yeah. Which you but probably could have gone. To begin... To get there. I didn't. I want. You want to go and sit up in the bar. I wanted to be near to the field, like you did, because you could lean over and get high fives from players as they were coming by, which you did. It's so my I job. needed to sit with you. I can't just leave you alone while I'm going in the bar. Mason. I, I, what am I going to do in a bar when I'm driving as well? I'm not buying a drink. So no, I wasn't going to do that. We waited, but it wasn't just that they all went into the bar. From where we were, there were some that came in the seats. But unfortunately, we didn't. None came well when we were in the second game. Now I know you did want a ball because you. It was obviously the A10, and you like to collect different balls from uh, uh, different th- different um, organizations. So um, how did you get a ball for this one then? Because um, obviously I'll, they weren't coming near you. Well, I was wearing a Boston Bruins sweater. Uh huh. Um, the ump for first base saw, and then came over and said he was a Boston fan. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of talked for a little bit, and mm-hmm. then he gave me a ball. Yeah, he was, it was between innings, he was just kind of casually chatting, and I mentioned that your middle name was David as well, because of David Ortiz, so I mentioned that we were big, I was a, the Red Sox fan, and um, yeah, in the next inning he came across and gave you a ball, so that was cool, because you tried so hard, but we just couldn't get to them, like, you and didn't have much competition. if I got a foul ball to give it to my brother. You, he did say that. If you but did, I didn't get any. No, he didn't, so if it hadn't been for that. And I like that. Yeah, you wouldn't have uh, you wouldn't have got one. So, um, yeah. So, all right. Game two, then. How did this one go? Um, in the first, George Mason scored one. In the second, St. Louis scored one. In the fourth, St. Louis scored one. In the sixth, George Mason scored two. In the eighth, um, George Mason scored one. In the ninth, George Mason scored two. So, final score. Six to uh, two. Six to two. 11 hits to eight. 
But the most significant stat in there for me, as far as I'm concerned, is four errors from St. Louis. Three of them, I oh, believe, yeah. were in the same inning as yeah, well. They were. I'm trying to remember if it was the sixth. I think it might have been that sixth when they took that lead. Um, I just felt kind of sorry. Everything just kept going through their legs and wild throws. And, oh, my gosh. It just, uh, yeah, it wasn't coming together for them at all in this one. Uh, South Trimble. Oh, that's why I couldn't find South Trimble on the field. He was playing DH. You were right. Because I said, where is he? And you were like, he could be playing DH. You were right. He was. Um, Reese Woody got two. Uh, Not difficult to see what. For me, those were two of my favorite players to watch. I know they are. I know you like They're Connor Dykstra players. as well. Um, Connie Dykstra, Connor Dykstra, just because um, he's the catcher. Oh, is that because you catch now? Yeah. And you like. <laughs> so, do you consider yourself a catcher or a pitcher? Both. Okay, so if somebody asked you. But then... mostly catcher. Okay, so if somebody asked you now, like, where do you play? You'd say catcher. And pitcher. <laughs> okay. I do both. You, you I, I do. switch every game. You do. All right, um, George Mason, do you want to tell us who was pitching in this one? Um, Logan Rumberg. Mm-hmm. He pitched four innings, um, gave up six hits, two runs, two earned runs, one strikeout. Um, and then Owen Stewart came in for this, um, as relief pitcher for five innings, two hits, two zero runs. Um, two walks, two strikeouts. That's a heck of a relief performance right there. Uh-huh. Five innings and only giving up two hits. That definitely helps your team out. Now, before them got to the sixth, obviously the score was 2-1 to one St. Louis, and you knew it was going to be a close game. I know. But once they took that lead at three, it was still always close, but, like, he just wasn't giving up anything at all. And the, that insurance run in the eighth was huge, but those two in the ninth, once you got that two in the ninth, you knew it was game over. Um, I'm sure they thought at 4-2 they had a chance in the ninth, but once it got to 6-2, you just knew Owen. There's no way Owen was giving up four runs. Like, you can walk somebody, and then you can hit a home run. I guess that's the other thing to talk about. There was no home runs in either of these two games. The wind. It kept pushing them in. It did. The wind was pushing straight in from center field, and you could see the Or flag. they were just, like, um, pushed kind of to the side. Yeah, it just, nothing was carrying out. There was some hard hit balls. That was the other thing I forgot about. When the, nearly the, got to the fence. On the pop-ups, I've never seen balls hit that high. Oh, I know. Like, we've seen a lot of college It has to be season. Richmond Air. I don't know, yeah. I don't know if it's like uh, Colorado or something, or, but they were going so high. Or just Mile High Stadium. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. For St. Louis, uh, Holmes was the starter. He had a good game. 7.1 innings and only two earned runs. You kind of feel sorry for him. He did, it's not like he didn't have a good game. Uh, Bell came in at uh, 1.1 innings, gave up two earned runs. And then uh, Hendrickson came in at the end and didn't give up anything. Um, game time, 235. It actually started at 309. And the attendance, it said, was 817. I don't believe that. You think that's too high or too less. low? You think it was less than that? I thought it was less than that as well. There was a lot of people. Yeah. But I didn't think I it, would say it was like when closer you say to that, 500. I, I would have agreed. I thought that was probably a better number. But hey. They could have counted. It could have been that's how many tickets they sold. There were some people in boxes. So we might not have seen all of those oh, people yeah, as well. And uh, But yeah, I thought that sounded a little high. But I don't know. Um, Atlantic10.com news reported. Uh, Mason ran the gauntlet in the Atlantic 10 Baseball Championship final. Uh, dispatching the undefeated Billikens in back-to-back do contest en route to the program's second ever title. Um, so I didn't find out which year the first one was, I forgot. Uh, the Patriots secure the league's automatic bid into the upcoming NCAA tournament, set to begin on Friday, June 2nd at 16 regional sites, and the NCAA baseball selection show on Monday, May 29th 
Um, we'll tell them where they're playing and live coverage on ESPN2. Obviously, by the time this comes out, um, the NCAA tournament will probably be over. So, um, but yeah, it just happens that's how it's going. I want to watch all the George Mason games. Uh, I would like to see how they do as well now. Uh, the all-championship team composed... What happens if they win? Then they'll become national champions. <laughs> composed of the top performers from across all seven qualifying squads at the tournament, featuring Davidson's uh, Jake Wilhoyt, Dayton's Marcus Pujols and uh, Paxton Tomini. I don't know if you recognize that name, Marcus Pujols, mainly because of Albert Pujols, I'm sure. That was a guy who hit two home runs in one game. Uh, Richmond's Johnny Hipsman, he went five for five in one game, I remember that. Uh, St. Joseph's Ryan DeSanto, St. Louis's Tyler Fogarty, Hayden Moore and Cole Smith, and Mason's Chad Gartland, Kyle Menneker, South Trimble, and Reese Woody. So yeah, before we got to that game, the thing I love on their website is they had three-minute highlights of each of the games. So you could see it. So I knew that South Trimble and Reese Woody were good. Uh, Chat Gartland, unfortunately, we didn't get to see, but we did get to see Kyle Menneker in game one. And I just reminded me of one other thing as well. Uh, one of the um, Mason players were wearing 42. Because you said that's kind of really strange that you would see that. I know, like you don't see it in the MLB. No. But it's not actually... Um, it is kind of rare to see in college, too. Yeah, you don't see it very often, but you still kind of see it. And there was actually a poster in the outfield, or like an advertising hoarder for Jackie Robinson as mm -hmm. well. Um, it was in, we, like, right field. We just released our episode about Jackie Robinson on that day as well. So it was kind of funny seeing all those references to 42 at the time. Uh, Gartland, who tossed 9.2 innings of action across two appearances during the championship and recognition as the most outstanding performance. I noticed that's an interesting phrase. What do you call the best player in, the, like, a World Series? Uh, a player. What award did they get? They don't get most outstanding performer. The um, the World Series MVP. Okay, so what's MVP stand for? Um. Most. Valuable player. Ah, but these are college players, so I it's know. a little different from. So I never really noticed that you wouldn't have a valuable player, perhaps in college. So I wonder if that's true for all college things. I never really noticed it before. But yeah, most outstanding performer rather than most valuable player. Uh, finished with a 2.79 ERA and kept batters at 2.57 uh, with nine strikeouts and a save. And one final little bit about this as well that I saw was um, I've signed you back up for, and it's been a few years since you've been in it. Uh, you're in the Squirrel Tails Kids Club. Yes. So what Good. does that mean? All kids 14 and younger are invited to join the Free Squirrels Tails Kids Club, the official kids club of the Richmond Braves. Oh, sorry, Richmond Flying Squirrels. Unlucky, Mason's 15. Yeah, he can't join. Uh, members receive these great benefits. A free general admission ticket to every Sunday home game. Wait, Dad, uh, we could sit anywhere, right? Uh, not for that one, you can't. No, general admission is the upper deck for yeah. GA. Um, kids themed is not quite the same as a general admission to this one. Uh, kids themed giveaways and character meet and greet at select Sunday home games. Invitations to attend exclusive kids club events. And unlock exclusive discount offers in the Squirrel's Nest team store. Ooh. Yay! So, um, yeah, um, it finished kind of quick. Like, both games were kind of short. There wasn't much of a break in between. Uh, we didn't talk about the weather at all. It was slightly overcast. It was probably about 65 to 70. Um, it Wait, was kind of nice. What is the um, Richmond um, Flying Squirrels an affiliate of? Uh, the Giants. Okay. The Giants, yeah. So, yeah, weather was uh, pretty nice. The only thing I didn't like in that first game, being behind home plate, my eyes were stinging at one point. Oh, I know. And I'm sure it was the dust. And I was sneezing as well, so I thought it was pollen. But once we, I splashed some water in my eyes, but it was still kind of bad. Uh, but the second game, after we'd taken a gap from the stadium and we sat in right field, I didn't have any problems after that. So, yeah. It had to have been dusty. It must have been. So as much fun as it was to sit that close, 
Um, I don't know. I guess I need swimming goggles or something if I nope. want to do that again. I know. Dad, um, swimming goggles and a ski mask. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it was, that was kind of... Anyway, I did record Black the last... Black the sun, get a ski mask, uh-huh. um, swimming goggles, big coat, and then you're fine. One other thing I did realize that I did at the final, once it got to the, with two outs to go, with, sorry, with one out, I started filming it in case there was a double play. Um, there wasn't, so once it got down to two outs, I knew it was going to be the final out. And I recorded everyone charging out. Um, to the, I think the final out was um, a throw to um, shortstop, who threw it to second baseman. And then everyone yeah. kind of swarmed onto that third base side. Uh, but when yeah, the players were super excited. Everybody from the bullpen ran in. Everybody from the dugout. Yep. Everybody in the field just piled the, up. To, the George Mason um, camera person the, did as well. That was kind of funny. Because he had to hold his camera. Yeah. In between the third base and the pitcher's mound, there was a huge pile. Uh-huh. I would not want to be under. No. Um, also, everyone threw their caps off as well. It kind of felt like a graduation thing. I'd be at the top. <laughs> jump on. Dad, get a springboard. <laughs> jump. They gave out t-shirts. Obviously, said winner as well. And obviously, caps as well. Somewhere, there's a box that said St. Louis winners as well. But obviously, they get probably given to charity. or I don't know what happens. Destroyed. Hey, Dad, just put on I the merch store. Uh-huh. I honestly thought that they would start selling those t-shirts at half price towards the end because no one else is... So I don't know what they do with all that stuff unless it goes on the A10 store. But I was hoping as we were leaving it would be half price or something, but no, didn't happen. Didn't happen. And uh, yeah, rode home, had Bojangles on the way home, and um, well, that was about it. Anything else you wanted to talk about in the championship game? No. I'm glad we went. I'm very glad we went. It was fun. It was oh, yeah. really cool to By see. By the way, um, if you go, the squirrely frosts are good. The squirrely fries are very good. I know you... Yeah. Well, I got those because... Well, I forgot to mention this. I got them because there was somebody who sat down next to us with a VCU flag who got some. Oh, yeah. Really he gave good. us some flags last time we went to a VCU game. After the Coppin State game, yeah. We went to that VCU game. And I asked him, I was At like, the... did you go to the... Is there any chance you went to a Spiders game last year? And he's like, oh, I remember you at that game. <laughs> so yeah, he, he remembered us. Yeah, he gave us some flags. He did. He gave us some flags. He's like, you were on the third base side, right? I was like, I wanted yeah, the sir. Spiders to win, but I... But I... Uh-huh. But I didn't care, so I just... <laughs> you, you're happy to get some merch, so you're okay. Um, I don't remember. <coughs> Did you get a ball from that game? I don't even remember. It wasn't a big thing at that I time. Don't I don't remember. I so. don't know, because... First of all, I wasn't collecting. So I'm just then. wondering, perhaps you Now did, I have to. Perhaps you do have an A-10 ball. I didn't even really think about it until just now. I don't think. Oh, okay. I didn't. All right. It wasn't that big to get a ball that back then, but now it is. <laughs> you want now to... I have to. Uh huh. I think you need to get your organization, your uh, collection, kind of sorted through. Because I did ask you how organized Take is it, off. and Mason was kind of like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I said no. So we'll really. have to figure it out. It's uh, pretty much my room on a um on a on a regular day. Uh huh. Very messy. All right, are we going name game? Yeah. <laughs> Now, I messed up last time. I think what happened was I had them at the end, but then I split this into two, and that's why I didn't have any. So I got a bonus one for you, though, first, JJ, since I didn't have enough for you last time. So bonus one for you, J. Jefferson J. It's in relation to our last episode as well. J. Jefferson J. Triple J, pretty much. I forgot her last episode. Need a clue? Yeah. Um, the last name is your name. So, J. Jefferson Jackson. Oh, boy. I don't know. You mix up Greensville and Greensboro. Oh, that still doesn't help. 
Oh my goodness. Shoeless Joe. Shoeless Joe. What's his Joe, Joe. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Joe Jefferson Jackson. So that was Shoeless Joe. So I put that one in, but they're not my real ones. All right, you want me to give you one of your real ones for today? Or? Yeah. All right, let's start off with... Uh, I, oh, do you want... Oh, okay, this is kind of a joke one, but I'll give it to you. I, I'm going to be shocked if you don't get this. Uh, a, Aroldis, C. Aroldis Chapman. <laughs> I know. Alberton Aroldis Chapman de la Cruz. Dad, the double um somersault. Uh-huh. I know. So there's another one where the middle name is actually his real name. So I As soon as was... I heard Aroldis... It was had to be. <laughs> yeah. If it was Aroldis blank, it's got to be Aroldis Chapman. All right, so that was an easy one to get you started. Yeah. All right. Um, J. Matthew H. J. Matthew H. <sighs> this is this a current player? Yes. Okay. Orioles? Is it an Orioles player? Mm. Yes? I don't know who it is, though. Um, it's obviously not Hendrickson or whatever his name is. Cause Gunner we're, yeah, because that's Gunner. So, um, who else has H then? Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to hate this, aren't I? Um, I know you like to go with Orioles players. <sighs> I'm trying to think who else has a J. Uh, oh. No, that's John Means. I thought of a J, but that was John Means, so that's not going to work either. Uh, Justin? Uh, Jack? Jake? Joe? Joe Hendry, the wrestler. <laughs> I no. need another clue. Um, Where does he play? What position? Uh, Shortstop. Shortstop? Shortstop? Uh, oh! Oh, we had. I gave you that the other day, then. That's Jackson Holiday. He doesn't play for the Orioles yet. <laughs> Okay, I it's gave you though. All right, that's fine then. All right, your next one is M. David M. And it's not a trick, <laughs> and it's not a current player either. What era? Um, late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. Well, actually, late eighties. I guess he debuted. I give you the couple of teams he played for if I want. Uh, started with the Oakland A's and then went to St. Louis. That's why I picked it, because this episode's about St. Louis. But I forgot what team was in St. Louis. Cardinals. Okay. Oh my gosh. All I can think of for the Cardinals is Roger Maris. I didn't even know he played for the Cardinals. Huh. I, yeah, I think. Hmm? If he did, I didn't even know that. Albert Pujols. No, oh, a little before that. He's a big home run hitter like uh, Albert, though. I don't know. Oh dear, Mark McGuire. Oh, that was a pretty big name. That was a pretty big name. All right. I forgot Mark McGuire, and plus I didn't know that he played for the Cardinals. Yep, he played for the Cardinals. I, I, when I went to see my last game in St. Louis, uh, Mark McGuire was playing at that time. All right. Oh, actually, I don't, uh, actually, I don't know if that's true. Albert Pujols was playing at that time. Yeah, Albert was playing at that All time. All right. This is a, a wrestling one. Okay, because I mentioned the fact that I did it on uh, a wrestling one for Matt the other day. Okay, yeah. all right. K. Stephen A. K. Stephen. Oh, that's Kurt Angle. Yeah. I didn't know his middle it's... name was Stephen, but thankfully it's... K. Was it was Kurt one. Angle. That's right. his real name. Huh, okay. And his wrestling name. All right. Well, as you did a non-baseball uh, one for me, I got a non-baseball one for you. Uh, B. Norton R. If only I remembered his name. So, you want to say why you think you know what it is? It ails in this episode. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yes, it was. Oh, it might be on your little notes there. I don't know. Wrong page. Oh. You already <laughs> took the page. Did I already take the page away from you? Is it on that page then? Uh, Perhaps it's on that page. Yeah, I nearly read his name out and then I suddenly remembered. Because you were doing, you were reading names out in the name game style and then I suddenly remembered he was one of mine, so I had to stop. James Critipo? No, that, not him. It was after that. You got it. You got it. It's uh, Bradbury Norton Robinson. And why was he famous? Uh, first forward pass. First forward pass, yeah. I had to put that one in. All right. Go on, more. Is this a wrestler again? Yeah. Okay. P. Michael L. P. Michael L. Is this a current wrestler? Well, kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Okay. He oh, can... I know who that is. It's, um, I don't know what his middle name is, but it's probably Triple H. That's yeah. Paul Levesque. Yeah. I, I was trying to think of somebody for P, and I suddenly thought of Paul, and I was like, oh, that was sneaky. That, see, I think it's cool to do it for wrestlers. I don't wrestlers. know how you knew Oh, because I know his name. I know Triple H's name. But I kind of like it for wrestlers, because they don't all go with their real names. I think you know John Cena's real name is John Cena. So there's a few like that, yeah. and some of them use, uh, like, I didn't know Trish Stratus. Her real name is Patricia. That's why she's Trish. It makes perfect sense. So sometimes they use, like, half of their name in there. And then sometimes it's completely different. Like, Edge's Adam Copeland. Like, there's some that people know. Like, I don't know everybody. Like, you can't you can't tell me one person and then say, tell me what their real name is. Because I don't know them like, all. But um, Triple H is pretty famous. Like, um, wait, like, Batista. Uh, uh well, his last name is Batista, I believe. I think that one's yeah. true. I was just about to say one, and um, I was going to ask if you know what Hulk Hogan's real name is. Ugh. I knew this one before. I've actually forgot his last name, but I remember I his first it, name. I knew I just forgot. His first name's Terry. But I'm totally, well, unfortunately my wrestling friends who are listening to this. I know how he got his um, he, he was bigger than the person who played Hulk, and ah, that is why he got Hulk. Makes sense. Uh, Terry Belia. I could not remember that. Yeah. And then I think his name, his wrestling name was like Hogan or something. Mm-hmm. But actually, um, he decided to go with that Irish name and Hogan was Irish. Oh, I just realized this episode is not coming out for four weeks. So on next week when I talk to Matt, I can give him T. Gene B. And that'll be Hulk Hogan. Uh, that'll be also, a pretty good one. Um, I know why he has, the, um, like how he dresses. Okay. Um, he, They said that he was a, like an American person kind of so he's definitely and McDonald's american was like red. he was born in atlanta it was born in uh, augusta georgia so he's definitely yeah. american um and mcdonald's was red and uh, yellow so that's uh-huh. why he wears red and yellow uh. one-handed by the way